Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Let's do this. Can you still hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. All right. You guys, welcome to episode 23. I can't believe I've had 23 episodes of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. I am, for the first time in like eight weeks, it feels like, not recording by myself. I have a friend here, a very dear friend of Emotionally Broken Psychos, Diana Metzger. Girl, how are you? Hi! Woohoo! I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited, and I've been, like, very eagerly holding on a tease to your audience, where I gotta say, like, basically, I feel like the subtitle of this episode should, uh, look what I made Troy do. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, this is, like, I was gonna say, this is, like, my, like, this is for you. This is an episode dedicated specifically to you. Oh my god, you're so good to me. My birthday is in a month. This is just like an early birthday present. It feels so good. <laughs> you're the only person that I know, truthfully, in my entire life that could get me to do four to five hours of research on none other than my arch nemesis in life, Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes! And I know, like, I lo- know, like, most of, like, uh, EBP Nation is like, uh, and like, I and, and like our dear friend Lori Weed is the only one who's like, yay! <laughs> Lori's like jumping up and down right now. <laughs> I'm doing you right, girl. I'm giving you a shout out for like the only other like soul Taylor enthusiast, but you know, well, someone's got to hold it down. I, I mean, love look, her. I just love her. She's a <laughs> giant part of our zeitgeist. Like, I can't just act like she doesn't exist. She's a huge part of my world, whether I want her to be or not. And the thing is, is I'm going to do this. I wrote all of my notes, and I already planned on doing this in a non-biased, like, non-hater. I'm not going to sit here and just, like, bash Taylor Swift for an hour. Like, that's not the goal or, like, the point of this. Like, I do. There are things about Taylor Swift that I admire and um, that I like. And I, I think I've told you that before. Like, there are, you know, I have an appreciation for a smart pop star. I do, good or bad, you know? So. Well, and I think this, like, this coupling we were talking about, like, which of the many kind of, like, uh, bold name celebrity pairings that we wanted to do for her. And, and like, the last time um, when we did Sheena and John Mayer, we tapped into her a little bit. And I feel like this coupling um, with her and Jake Gyllenhaal is, like, kind of a turning point for her certainly because mm-hmm. like inspired by him she gets into some more starting to like dabble in pop mm-hmm. um and also it's like uh was very much her like sort of britney spears like not a girl not yet a woman like feeling yeah. herself out it was real like turning point taylor in a very like interesting way and what's so crazy is when i was doing research too like literally i was finding out shit like about, like, they're still being talked about as a pairing as of, like, last week. There's yeah. still articles last week, and, like, you know, we'll get into this later, but that are, like, you know, he's still fielding questions about their relationship. And which, literally, it's like, it's like walking, like, every man who dates Taylor Swift goes through Hollywood just, like, avoiding landmines. Because anything can trigger a conversation about Taylor Swift. And, like, the fact that they don't have any choice on (laughs) what is exposed about their relationship also plays a big part in it. But, yeah, I mean, he... And he's so... 
I think like of all the men she's dated, he's probably the most like staunch, staunchly private person. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, one of those, like, private to the point of it being like, all right, dude, like, we get it. You're, he's almost private to the point that it makes people want to know more about him. Like, it's counterproductive. Well, and and it's interesting because I feel like he, like, dips his toe in the water of, like, and it's interesting because this relationship happened, like, around the time of, like, Prince of Persia, where they're like, mm-hmm. is he going to be this, like, mega big leading manny kind of harrison 40 you know johnny depp kind of like brad pitt level hunk Mm -hmm. and i mean as most of your listeners know that was a big like kerplunk in the toilet no but it's so interesting because i feel like that their relationship coincided with like and i wonder if sort of like his reaction to like her burgeoning, you know, just explosion of publicity and fame, uh, was a, like he kind of totally shirked away because like that movie was such a giant fail. Like, I wonder if that yeah. had been a success, if like they would have continued on in the relationship. And it, the other really interesting thing too, like to kind of touch on what you said, like this was also around the time that she was really, really starting to, like, sharpen her knives as far as, like, learning how to, like, fuck with the press and and manipulate the media into, like, being a part of her narrative. You know, it's almost like it was something that she'd fallen into before. But on this time, she really, really, like, kind of took the reins and was like, okay, like, this is really my, like, image. This is my brand. This is what I do. And, like, he really kind of was the guy that I think, he was, like, the catalyst for her really, like, sharpening her skills, I guess. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think there's something, I mean, as much as we now, like, dissect and criticize and hate or whatever on her kind of uh, faux feminism, I think, like, this was a really kind of high feminist moment for me with her because yeah. I think... A lot of her, like, turning point in this was her being like, screw you for wanting me to, like, hide my fame. Like, screw you for wanting me to, like, turn down the brightness of my light because, you know, your movie was a big, like, failure. And you're kind of, like, figuring your way out. And I'm, like, have a rising star. Like, no, I'm not going to, like, turn myself down for you or tamp myself down for you and and what i love too is that like um you know most of the time i i think about and and as i do right before you called i was looking at my us weeklies catching up on my us weeklies with my coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> stories and of course there's yet again like who's leonardo dicaprio dating and like literally i mean it's just 23 year old victoria's secret models but like okay. all those models no matter what they do they'll always be connected to, like, oh, she dated Leonardo DiCaprio. And I Mm -hmm. kind of love that with Taylor Swift, it sort of, like, flips the script. Like, no matter what these guys, no matter what they've done, they'll be known as, like, Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend. And I think there's something a little weirdly cool about that. That's very true, and I do 100% agree with you. When I was, like, reading all this stuff about their relationship, one of the things that I, like, sort of anchored myself to, to, like, shepherd myself through the uh hours <laughs> the <of> trauma <laughs> <laughs> the shock therapy no um i i really was like i i thought it was like really cool that she 
you know, he did want her to, like, hide her face and, like, not be, you know, not be too Taylor Swift for him because, you know, he's in a weird point in his career and he's also, like, private. And it's like, well, you know, you're fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, something that really bothers me about people like Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal is that it's like, you're private and I understand that you have to, like, you live in Brooklyn and you want to like maintain a certain level of like normalcy for your children and like for your lives and and for yourself and like I respect that and I think that's really cool but there's also this like very like pompous sort of like it's like you're private to the point of it almost being like an obsession and well it's it's interesting too because so you know Maggie like I think like Maggie Gyllenhaal kind of like cherry-picked roles that kind of not keep her under the radar, but keep her in this, like, indie circuit, except mm-hmm. for her turn in the Batman movie. But mm-hmm. even that was kind of... Did she... I'm forgetting, did she replace Katie Holmes, or did Katie Holmes replace her? I think she replaced Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. That's what I think, yeah. too. But even she, like, I don't know, I feel... And I feel, especially with Jake Gyllenhaal, I don't know, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's, like, tried to sort of court this leading man thing and do some big budget movies. And I think there's just a level of like, you would be slightly happier if you kind of embraced yeah. your, if you embraced your fandom, you know, I, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I think people, especially with him because he's handsome and he dates these like very high profile women, you know, he's not, he's not dating like, uh, you know, a, a normal chicky meets off the street or even like, you know, a semi-known novelist. What I like about like Maggie Gyllenhaal and Peter Sarsgaard is they're kind of like that same level of indie movie. Like people love mm-hmm. them because like, you know, they seem like they could uh, co-star in every single indie movie together for eternity. Yeah. Well, that's what their life is <laughs> in, in the movie no, of true. my mind. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, Jake Gyllenhaal is dating, you know, a Kirsten Dunst in her prime, a, Mm -hmm. you know, Reese Witherspoon. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And I wonder if it's really interesting because Reese was recently quoted too as saying like, don't try to date a man who like will try to tamp down your ambition. Mm -hmm. And I wonder too, if like, I mean, obviously people immediately are like, she must be talking about Ryan Phillippe. But I wonder if she's also talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, I like could he dates, completely see that. You know, like he dates these very powerful women. I, you know, I think maybe it's immaturity. Um, but like he's obviously attracted to these very kind of like bright shining star women. And then maybe he just kind of freaks out when he is in it. So it's certainly what seemed to happen with him and Taylor. And no, you're right. Maggie is more of a like. Maggie does sort of live her truth. See, the thing that bothers me about Jake is that Maggie, like, lives her full truth. Like, she doesn't want to be at that, like, level of fame. And she, like, doesn't... She doesn't, like, dip her toe in the pond when it's convenient for her. Like, Jake, like you said, will date some extremely super high-profile A-list actress and be like, Don't look at me. It's like, dude, get over yourself. You know what I mean? You can't, like... He's one of those people that I feel like will secretly every once in a while when it suits him like contact the meet like a uh, contact the like the pops to come like get him somewhere but then like claim to hate that and like want his privacy the way like an Angelina and Brad would do in their prime of like 
we're going to the beach today, just so you know, kind of thing, but also, like, don't look at us. It's like, yeah. you're not, like, just calm down. You know what I mean? This year you were starting, what's that movie called, Prince of Persia? Yeah. Sir, oh, just calm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just simmer it down a little bit. Or uh, Simmer down and, like, lean in. Like, if you're going to yeah. do, like, a big-budget Disney movie and you're wondering why it flopped, I mean, one, it was probably bad. Two, you were one of those dicks who was, uh, you know, taking a role from uh, what could have gone to a person of color and should have gone to a person of color. You are not Persian, you jerk. Right. Um, right. You know, at least, like, lean into fame and lean into the fact that you, like, want to be a leading man. Right. But you, and you are, I mean, like, you are, like, you are an Oscar-nominated I, like at this point, you are not going anywhere. So just lean in, like you said, just embrace it. Yeah, you know, and um, it's, it makes me think about like the Tom Hiddlestons of it all, which is you know, it was eye rolling because it just seemed very convenient for Taylor and yeah. uh, seemed to come out of nowhere. And but at least for me, I kind of enjoyed it because okay, he had King Kong coming out, which was inevitably it became a big flop, um, yeah. but. You know, at least he was like, okay, I want to step it up. I want to be a leading man. She's a very high-profile woman, and she's really attractive. You know, I'm going to, you know, attach myself to her. The difference, I think, between him and a Jake is that she genuinely really liked Jake. Yeah. And I think think if he'd been willing to, you know, not necessarily wear an I Love Taylor Swift shirt, but if he'd been willing to, like, come to the 4th of July party, you know, yeah. uh, allow himself some more paparazzi pictures with her. Like th- she would have been over the moon about it. Oh my God. That's all she wants. That's truly all she that's wants. Like, she wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just that attention that she needs to garner the, uh, the fascination for her like next move. Yeah. In music. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like but, uh, I, I think she, I think she doesn't mind somebody to share the limelight with her, uh, as long as she doesn't feel like that person is leaning into it too hard. Right. Which is exactly. what Tom Hiddleston did. So. Exactly. He, yeah, he like fell into it. Like he fell face yes. forward into uh, being excited that they were being photographed together. That was like super. Weird. That was a weird, weird, weird relationship. Weird time. It was very yeah. I mean, he was a grown-ass... Grown-ass men should not be acting like that. <laughs> well, that we that and his, like... His Emmy speech, I could go on. He's... he's. I've seen him at an airport. He's really good-looking in person, so I give it to her. Like, he's a good-looking dude. There's no fake oh, in that. Yeah. But, like, pathetic. Pathetic. Yeah, fully pathetic. And things like that make me immediately think, like, oh, you're probably, like... I, like, my mind just starts racing, like, you're terrible in bed, you're clingy, you're probably psychotic, you probably cry a lot. Like, I just start, like, my oh, mind yeah. starts racing. No, with, I, like, think, all I the... think all he does is apologize in bed. Yeah. Oh, like, God, gross. Like, I think, I think he's, like, I think he's just, like, Hugh Grant at the sad part where, like, Hugh Grant is, like, apologetic and crying in a movie, mm-hmm. rom-com. I think that's what he's like in bed constantly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like Hugh Grant, but like without the charm and rakishness when he's like finally breaking say, down. 
Yeah, because he's like Tom. He's a, an a tr- very attractive man, but he's not attractive enough that he could like cry on top of me. There are men that I'd be like, "All right, you're yeah. so hot that I, I'll let this go," but like I would look at him and be like, "I'm immediately repulsed by you, and I need you to exit stage left, sir, out of my life." Agreed. <laughs> um, well, I think you and I should like fully lean into this relationship and just start like breaking it down. We'll just. I got notes, you got notes, we'll just put them together and, and, and we'll call the whole thing off. And make magic, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so, from what I gathered on the interwebs, Taylor and uh, Jake dated from October of 2010 to, give or take, March of 2011. Um, and they met during a taping of SNL. They were both there to uh, support their mutual friend, Emma Stone, Um and that's, I guess, how the magic ha- how the magic started. It's so interesting though, because this is cagey. Like I've seen so many different. As I was like diving into how they began, I saw so many different reports. Um, look, I heard the SNL thing, which is what kind of I buy the most. Um, yeah. I also heard that he like asked his reps, um, Ooh. like for to kind of make the hookup happen, which like. I feel like that's, like, probably least believable to me, but I could see that they'd be like, oh, she's going to come to watch SNL. Like, maybe you want to show up, too. Um, Yeah, like, so-and-so wants to meet you. Can you stick around kind of thing? Yeah. The best one that I heard, which I just really want to believe, because anything with Gwyneth I want to believe, is that apparently they were also saying that she hosted a dinner party that both of them attended because apparently uh, it was after they, a couple, a few years after they'd done proof and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Gwyneth, the movie, and they were stayed friends. And then Taylor was friends with uh, uh, Chris Martin. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know I heard that one and I was like, and apparently Gwyneth like claimed it too claimed that like she set them up which i mean one gwyneth will claim anything um i love her to she death yeah but i could i also feel like taylor and gwyneth have a little bit of like the kindred spirit in them so i agree and she also seems like the kind of girl that gwyneth like first of all gwyneth seems like the friend that does like to set up her, her girlfriends she just reminds me of like that friend that's always like trying to get her friends together yeah, and I I could also see her as like a oh I just want to adopt you like a little sister kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I could and see, Taylor just has I that mean, vibe. Yeah, and I could see Taylor just idolizing Gwyneth, especially Absolutely. at that age. For sure, she probably came over every time she went to her house with like a different like KitchenAid mixer attachment that she thought would like impress her <laughs> or something. <laughs> so lots of like lovely slip dresses were. Yeah. <laughs> In the making of this friendship. Um, but well, either I mean, way, like, is it confirmed that Taylor lost her virginity? It's, she definitely lost her virginity to Jake, right? I think, yes. I, okay. I, I believe, I believe that just in the timeline of her uh, relationships, that that would be the case. I, yeah. I knew, so I, uh, fr- in friend of a friend world, I know someone who assists her stylist. That's when she was with Harry Style, uh, the assistant stylist was having to pack a lot of lingerie for her. So they were definitely screwing. But that was, you know, w- after Jake. So I, th- I think she did. 
I think she's got enough kind of like anger in her and how often like they were back and forth and got back together and sort of like the fieriness in her leads me to believe, um, leads me to believe they did because I believe her, like I look at her before relationship, like a Taylor Lautner, which just seems so like Disney channel managers paired them together. Oh yeah. Um, you know, kind of relationship and like we're holding hands and, you know, starring in Valentine's Day. It's just very innocent, like middle school dating uh, versus like a Harry Styles where, you know, she had stylists packing her sexy lingerie. Like, I just feel like Jake Gyllenhaal was that like that turning point. And so I have I'm to actually be proud of her it. for that. I'm proud of her for packing sexy laundry to go hook up with uh, Harry. She deserves it. And so does he. Well prepared. Well prepared. <laughs> a, girl, a gal on the go. You best uh, come <laughs> correct when you're coming for Harry. <laughs> now, from what I gather, um, the sort of like, because from doing this podcast, like from what I, my understanding of a celebrity breakup is that there's the tabloid reason that they broke up. And then there's like the private reason. You know what I mean? There's like yeah. the reason that we attach to. And yeah. that just becomes like the solidifier of like what ended it and then it could could or not could be or it could not be but that's like what the public has decided kind of thing and from what i gather him not showing which i'm sure we will definitely get into because i want to talk a lot about this i have a lot to say but him not showing up to her 21st birthday party and embarrassing her in front of everybody and her allegedly crying in the bathroom all night was that the reason that they broke up I think that was a real kicker. I mean, I think that was like, if you look for an event that mm-hmm. sort of solidified um, all the issues, I think that definitely was her birthday. I looked, is is December 13th, mm-hmm. um, that 13 that she loved so much. And so that would line up because I think they said like her kind of first major breakup with him was around New Year's Eve. So that would have been like the beginning of the end is her birthday. And I think a lot of it, I mean, I think that was the big event to solidify a lot of their issues. You know, it would have been a public event, her birthday. I Mm -hmm. think both of them had discussed and said that they were prepared, uh, you know, for him to come and have that publicity. So not only would it be making like it would be making a big public statement for him to come and and be her date. Um, And he doesn't show. And he doesn't call. And so it's basically him saying, you know, I know this is like a special day for you as a human being, but screw it uh, because I don't want to deal with the publicity. And that's I mean, I think that basically like encompasses, um, you know, is like the signified event for all their issues. And then after that, after that, that was the like, you know, beginning of the of you know, what gets spelled out and never, ever getting back together is the like, uh, we're done, but then he calls me, but then we hook up, but then we have a fight that we, you know, that lasts, that lasts until March. And okay. So I want to, and this is why like, I need your expertise because obviously I want to like get into what was going on in her life prior and what was going on in his life prior and all those things. Um, can you just walk me through? Because okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna explain my like Taylor journey to you for a second. So, Go for it. 
I started to embrace Taylor Swift like during the Red album. And I didn't like I wasn't like somebody who would like purchase an album. Like I definitely purchased 1989 and I will yeah. purchase her next album for sure. But um I was like warming up. Like once she embraced that like Shania Twain pop country, like that like one that once that happened I was like totally down. So right before that is almost like an entire the whole thing is sort of a blind spot for me. Um and this was like the last sort of like read like the last sort of like little bit of like teardrops on my guitar taylor swift like yeah like bangs in the face curled like those curly wispy bangs taylor that's like solidifies 2010 and prior um i don't know anything about really i mean i do but i don't you know what i mean not like as much as you do no i mean the short form version of it because i got into her um when she like did her self-titled album um and uh, which was that first album. She had a song, Tim McGraw. I mean, basically the men in her life really early on um, were, you know, high school boys, local boys, especially like until she started to dabble in, this is going to be terrible. Let me look up. Uh, do you happen to have in front of you? I don't have in front of you. What was the album right before Red? Um, that uh, Was it Speak? Is that what it's called? Was it Speak Now? Speak Now, now. yeah. Yeah, Speak Now. And that's when she started to dabble in, like, referencing celebrities. Like, she did Dear John in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, like, had a song, which is one of my favorites, Enchanted, which was about, like, the Owl City guy, and they're kind of meet-cute. Like, she started to dabble. But before then, she was just writing about kind of her high school experience as high school boys. It was really relatable and it was mm -hmm. kind of this very fresh, uh, thing for country. And it was kind of like a turning point with girls in country where they could reference songs of like generation, the generation right before. So those like Shania Twain, Faith Hill, she was essentially like adopted, uh, by Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and like sort of, um, like ushered into the business with them. Um, and I think she told with Tim McGraw. Um, so like up until then, most of her songs and her like dating experience was these kind of high school boys that she was involved with local boys. And it, you know, and it actually like seems pretty amicable. Like when these guys get interviewed, they're like, Oh yeah, no, we have like, cute relationships you know she does talk about when like love story which was her big breakout song um you know that that was about like a boy with some tattoos that her like parents didn't really like and you know it was it was very um it was just that very relatable edge which i think really hooked in so many of her fans and i think like before some songs on Speak Now, but especially on Red, um, where now she's connecting through her fans by saying, you know, I'm going to call people out in song, and mm -hmm. I'm going to make it pretty known. Like, Girlfriend, even on Speak Now, but especially on Red, used to code her liner notes. That's why people, like, really, besides, like, selling her albums at Target and doing some bonus songs, which the bonus songs on Red, we'll talk about our aces, because especially one of them references the birthday party Jake did not show up to. Um, 
but also like being in possession of her actual liner notes, she uh, literally like does little codes, like capitalizing certain letters. So it's like a puzzle for her fans to see who she's writing about. So I think like she's been pretty savvy because she's gone from writing these songs that tap into her teenage experience that feels super innocent to saying like, okay, obviously I'm a big celebrity now. People know me. So like I'm, my life is not that relatable. So now, now I'm going to say like, I'm treating my celebrity life like a diary and sharing that with, um, sharing that with my fans. So that's how she sort of like transitioned in a really interesting way. And, um, like I said, that first big like celeb relationship, uh, was the Taylor Lautner relationship, um, where he was like peak twilight. They starred together in that, um, middling, I won't say mediocre or wretched. I'll say middling uh, to be polite because I believe it was a Gary Marshall film and and rest his soul. I love him. Um, Valentine's Day. Um, And they played a couple and it was a very, you know, she wrote on Speak Now back to December referencing basically that he was like a nice guy and that, you know, he loved her. She didn't love him. And like, so there was that, like, regret that, like, you know, she wasn't ready for the nice guy. Which, even though he's a celebrity and she, like, shared that information, like, that's pretty relatable for her listeners, too. That, like, nice, cute boy. I mean, n- most of her listeners don't have boys with abs like that. But, yeah. you know, the nice, cute boy that treats them well and they're, you know... uh Eighteen, nineteen years old, and don't want anyone who treats them well. So, you know, there was that. Um, and like, I appreciate the fact that, like, I mean, I've said this before. I appreciate a pop star that knows how to like play the game, and I appreciate anybody, not even just like a from reality stars to like actual fame, like celebrity A list people. I like people who lean in and are able to like put their their finger on the pulse of what the public wants from them. Yeah. I think that that does take a very specific sort of like um, innate talent that you're either born with and you either have or you don't. And I think that's what like the it factor is, is that it's like there's like this difference between what you want the public to think of you and what the public does think of you and you leaning into that in a way that benefits you as well. Well, and I think like knowing how to transition is super important too. Oh yeah. In a way, you know, and that's why like this, this newest album reputation, I'm still like, I'm digging on the songs. I think they're bangers, but I'm still a little, I've been nervous for her. I'm like big sister nervous for her because Mm. I'm not, I think with a lot of stars are really smart. Beyonce is one of them. I just watched last night, Lady Gaga's documentary, which I thought was Mm -hmm. like, spot on yeah it was life-changing oh my god it was so good and i think it's just like in the forefront of my mind that i think about like um the best pop stars are ones that know how to transition with their audience without feeling phony or forced so i'm a little bit or like you know kind of out of the realm of what their fans want i.e like Katy perry's latest album which feels a little uh desperate yeah uh 
just to like latch onto the zeitgeist. And I'm so I'm a little worried about reputation, but I'm I'm holding out till till November. Um, but you know, especially at that time, I think Taylor was really smart of of realizing. You know, I'm now dating celebrities, and that's not really relatable. So my way to connect with fans is, like, to be vulnerable, and that may involve, like, calling out, um, you know, exes. And and basically, um, if I can't, you know, keep a diary like a normal teenage girl uh, or boy, um, that my songs will be my diary. Yeah. And you're going to know who it's about because just like any uh, teenage diary of bad poetry, she in her liner notes spells out exactly who it's about, you know? So, yeah. uh, I, you know, I think there's something, I think there was something really cool about that. And especially like she earned her kind of red transition because that's what she sort of said she was staking her claim on. Like, I'm I'm not going to hide from my fans. Uh, they're going to know who my relationships uh, are with, and in effect, they're going to know who the songs are about. And, like, okay, so I've talked about this a lot on this podcast and just, like, in general, like, emotionally broke stuff that I've done with Molly with, like, Britney and stuff. Um, yeah. I call it the Madonna effect. I've always yeah. just referred to it as the Madonna effect of, like, Madonna created this format, and it's now what it... She literally created, like, the modern-day version of what it means to be a female pop star, where, like, you do have to transition and sort of, like, reinvent yourself with each album, or else you won't really be considered in that sort of, like, upper echelon, like, 1%, like, diva category that a female pop star has to represent of being all things, and... I do think that a lot of people, like, a lot of female pop stars fall victim to the Madonna effect because it's unnatural for them to... Like, I don't think it's natural. I think that Katy Perry was somebody who naturally fell into this really fun era of, like, candy and, like, you know, being whimsical and playful and just being silly and, like, sort of sexy. And I do think that the Teenage Dream thing sort of felt like a natural sort of, like transition because it was so random and you couldn't have really like there's no like um buddy before that he would have been like you know what i want to do remember when that other pop star did like a whole candy themed era of music you know what i mean like it was yeah an original sort of concept and idea and i think she fell into the madonna the madonna effect of needing to feel like she needed to become this completely different version of Katy Perry for her next album without really even knowing what that was or, you know, and that feels, and that feels like really derivative and that she's been like as recently as today, like derided because she was doing you know, a Janet Jackson song on tour. And it's like, is that you? Is that you're in your wheelhouse? Is that, you know, what what are you trying to say? And that's, that's like I'm a little, a little worried about the like reputation of it all, but I'm also one of those Taylor fans that I, you know, she was my gateway drug into country music, and now I'm really into country music, and uh, you know, I was, uh, I, you know, go see country artists on tour. Like I'm country radio is what's playing on my radio. Like it's really, it's, 
it's a, you know, guilty pleasure, but I also try to embrace it. But she was my gateway drug. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.